0: The Rangers' injury lunk appears to be running out at the exact wrong time. On today's show, I'm breaking down what's going wrong with this Rangers' starting rotation. Will they be forced to make a trade? And what are they going to do with all of these injuries? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked on Rangers podcast. Today is Monday, July 24th and your Rangers are 59 and 41 alone in first place in the AL West, three games ahead of the Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked on Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, this weekend was is the worst series so far of the second half for the Rangers. The only series where they haven't swept and the Rangers just barely avoided getting swept. It looks like they looked like they were going to get swept after the top of that first inning where Martin Perez allowed a grand slam. We'll talk about his comeback for the last five innings of that start and the Rangers offense battling back, but it was just bad news after bad news after bad news for the Rangers this week. And Corey Seeger has gone on the IL. Nathan Evaldi is going to skip his start versus the Astros this week. Adoles Garcia has another injury scare. I mean, people, please stop hitting Adolis Garcia with baseballs. Just just stop doing it. Please stop. But Corey Seager is the biggest news of the weekend. Iavali is skipping that start. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the concerns about this rotation starting to grow. But Corey Seager was having a fantastic game on Friday night. This was a much closer game. I was out of town this weekend, so I wasn't able to watch live. I went back and watched and uh, I thought it was more of a blowout than the final score indicated. The Rangers lost 11-5. to Andrew Heaney had a not great start but the Rangers were battling back and forth and back and forth with this Dodgers team a very good Dodgers team and a a very good top three four of their lineup who just absolutely went ham this entire weekend Freddie Freeman um, just absolutely crushed the Rangers this week and kind of saw why oh yeah this guy is is probably one of the best hitters in all of baseball kind of forget about him in that conversation of Shohei Otani and Corey Seager and Ronald Acuna Jr but <clears throat> I mean, Freddie Freeman has absolutely been there the entire season. His OPS is just three points below 1,000, hitting 331 on base, over 410 with 20 home runs on the season. Also, he's got 12 stolen bases as a 33-year-old first baseman. The guy just did everything against this Rangers squad, and this game got really out of hand late because of some bullpen shenanigans. And Alex Spies, after a great first out of game, perfect mlb debut comes in in the 7th inning of a close game a one run lead i believe it was at the time and spice does uh, some some things that spice is going to do from time to time he didn't get a single out one hit allowed three walks. Two of those runs ended up scoring because Cody Bradford came in and kind of saved his bacon there from, from more of those runs scoring. A, a good outing for him. And then Grant Anderson was trying to keep it close late, but just could not do it. His ERA ballooned up over five. He is now optioned back down to AAA. Round Rock, not a great outing for him. The Rangers could not keep coming back against this Dodgers bullpen, despite some, some good clutch late hits, including Corey Seeger, his 15th home run of the season that gave the Rangers the lead in this one. The Rangers would end up giving it back. He also had a double late in this one, which was actually where he got hurt. He was sliding into second base, and he jammed his thumb. It looked much worse than it was. Originally, he was called out the Rangers' challenge. He was ruled safe. Then he came out of the game bench run for by Josh Smith, he was really, really holding that hand. It looked really bad. Thankfully, the X-rays came up negative. It was just a thumb sprain. He will be put on. He was put on the 10-day IL on Saturday. Um, should need about 10 days rest, the inflammation to subside, and that would put him back on the roster on August 1st ahead of the White Sox. That would be the day of the trade deadline, a big day for the Rangers and a, a big month of August where they'll have him back. But they'll be missing him for this series against the Astros again. He, I believe his injury happened right before the Astros series last time up, or maybe it was, maybe it was right after, the, the initial series in Houston. <clears throat> but the Rangers didn't have J- uh, Jacob DeGrom or Nathan Eovaldi pitch in either of those games against the Astros in Houston the first time, but they still won two out of three. Now they go to Houston again. They will not have Jacob DeGrom or Nathan Eovaldi pitch in either of those games. So maybe the Rangers can get a similar result. That's what they're really hoping for. I mean, it's going to be a big series. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but... Adolis Garcia's injury scare was was yet again just another dodged bullet by the Rangers. I mean, how how often can you say that? Oh, my my All Star shortstop, my one of the best hitters in baseball, a guy with who was hitting 350 at the time of his injury and an OPS of 1044. Oh, he's going to be out. Well, I guess I'll plug in my left fielder who's hitting 294 with an 850 OPS. I, I guess I'll just go ahead and and do that. How many teams can say that? Almost none. I'll, actually absolutely not. There is nobody else in baseball who uh, who first off has a shortstop like Corey Seager or who has someone who can come in and step in and step up like like he did the last time Corey Seager was hurt. And the other person who stepped up when Corey Seager was hurt was Marcus Simeon who also seems to be on a bit of a tear lately and this offense just around them stepped up in a big, big way on Sunday. I don't really want to talk much about the Saturday game. We'll get into that when we talk about the rotation concerns, because it was an absolute stinker for literally everybody who pitched, including Brad Miller. But Brad Miller was one of the guys who came up big in this Sunday game. The Rangers went down 4 nothing in the top of the first, and Martin Perez, this was right after the news that Nathan Evaldi was going to skip his next start. And right after a mediocre performance by Andrew Heaney. Five innings, four runs allowed on Friday. And then an absolute stinker. The worst game that Dane Dunning has pitched this year, which he has been very good. And uh, one of these was, was bound to happen. And, well, if it's going to happen against someone, then it honestly I was <clears throat> would rather it happen against the Dodgers than um, if he was pitching against the Astros. But it's, it's still, still not a great outing for him. And Martin Perez goes and gives up four runs in the top of the first inning. You think, oh my god, here we go again. Everything is coming up not Rangers in terms of their starting rotation. There's no Nathan Evaldi. And the only other guy who you trusted really consistently, um, you know, besides Dane Dunning before that last blow up start was John Gray. And he's coming off taking a 112 mile an hour liner to his plant leg, which he's not going to have to skip a start, which is, which is amazing. Thankfully, he did not sustain a serious injury, but you kind of think maybe he's not going to be 110%. But Martin Perez goes up there. Gets into trouble, gives up four runs in the top of the first inning, and then gives up absolutely nothing in his final five innings of work. He ends the day with not a quality start, but I believe this should be, this was more than a quality start because of what he did for the final five innings. His final line, six innings, six hits, four runs, all of them earned two walks, six strikeouts, and just the one home run. He was striking out Dodgers left and right. He even got. Max Muncy, there was a big situation in the bottom or the top of the third inning. The Rangers had just taken the lead back, a one-run lead. Martin Perez gives up a leadoff walk to Freddie Freeman. Honestly, at that point in the series with what Freddie Freeman had done, you know, I said, you know what, fine, honestly, fine. Then Will Smith gets a ground rule double. You have runners on second and third with no outs. And you think, oh boy, well the Rangers are going to need a lot of innings from their pen who just pitched six innings the day before and four innings the day before that you think okay well I hope that they can hold on but no Martin Perez bounces back in a big big way he gets a weak fly out from Chris Taylor then strikes out Max Munzee on a- really really nice changeup, and then gets uh james outman to ground out to second base no runs allowed rangers still have the lead and he was absolutely nails from then on he did not allow more than one base runner in an inning from that point still got through six innings maybe could have gone through a seventh inning but he was at 94 pitches so i didn't blame bruce Bochy for wanting to take him out and also give his big three some outings i mean matt jack or Matt Chapman, no, Aroldis Chapman hadn't pitched in a while, so it was good to get him in the game. Will Smith hadn't pitched in a while because the Rangers had lost a couple games in, in a row and then had a day off, so good to get those guys in and have them not be a week in between them pitching before they go, presumably, hopefully, at some point in this Astros series, but massive bounce back from Martin Perez. We're coming up, we're going to look at why that was so important, what this offense did, and why it gave so much confidence that they can still handle anything, even with Corey Seager on the I.L. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. If you're betting on, you know, a big, big game for... John Gray this week against the Astros then you might want to go ahead and do that if you're wanting to bet on a big game for Marcus Simeon who has been really really hot we'll talk about him later on in this show and uh, he really loves hitting in that short porch a lot of pull side home runs to the Crawford Bacchus we could be banking on that and so it is a would probably be a pretty great big pick if you want to win 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to 8 pick contests choose as many as 8 players that you like pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. So, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Shout out to the everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow, show, will be breaking down that big series opener against the Astros. The Rangers take on the Astros this week in Houston. You can catch out every pitch at the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Also, tonight I'll be hosting a chat with Hang Sports, talking with Pudge Rodriguez and Ruben Sierra. That'll be from 6 to 7.30. Check out my Twitter for more details or the description of this podcast. That'll be a lot of fun if you want to go ahead and check that out. But but the Rangers starting pitching is in a a not great way right now. And it seems like it's not going to get a whole lot better. That was a huge, huge outing for Martin Perez coming off of that... Awful first inning, looking like he can bounce back, and gonna need a lot more starts from him like that down the stretch. But it seems like Andrew Heaney has kind of reached a little bit of a limit. He only threw 72 pitches in five innings on Friday's start, and it seems like that's going to be about his limit. About 80-ish pitches seems like his effectiveness limit, which means he's going to be going about maybe four to five innings every single time out because again, he is not super efficient, so he is not going very deep in games anyway, being efficient with his pitch count, but especially. Especially if he is on a limited pitch count, not throwing 100-plus pitches. I mean, he has been healthy this year, which has been helpful for the Rangers, and you knew he was probably going to be number five starter heading into the season, but you thought you'd get a little bit more out of him, and, and this pen has is, is stepped up and, and done okay. It's, it's had its moments, but clearly there's been some revolving doors in the pen, a lot of different changes, a lot of guys at the end of the pen that are seemingly less trustworthy than we initially thought, but I mean... That's why this, this start by Martin Perez was so incredibly huge. I mean, the Rangers are banking on some continued health from John Gray, but Nathan Ivaldi coming off his last start, where he was effective, he went six shutout innings against Tampa Bay, but his velocity was way, way down. His fat forcing average 93.1 miles per hour, 2.3 miles an hour lower than his yearly average of 95.4. The cutter was also down more than two miles an hour. Splitter and curveball were both down more than a mile an hour. Uh, He didn't even throw a single slider in that game. Maybe the slider just wasn't feeling very good. But <clears throat> I saw a lot of complaining about the Rangers deciding to skip Nathan Ivaldi's start against the Astros because the series is so massive and it's the, the only thing that matters. But no, it's not. It's not. And I don't think that Nathan Evaldi should have pitched in the All-Star game. I thought that was really dumb and unnecessary. He'd already pitched in an All-Star game. And if he wasn't going to be the starter, which he wasn't, then I, I don't think it was necessary for him to pitch. His velocity had been going down. There were a little bit of concerns with that heading into the break. I and mean, even though he had a, a, not a, a survivable start... In Boston, the last time before the All-Star break, it had been kind of a trend that his velo had been ticking down, and that's what happened to him last year in Boston. The velo started ticking down, and then he had an injury, then he came back, and he was never really quite the same in the limited time where he was back. So I think that skipping his start right now is the right move. Yes, this the series against the Astros is big, But it is not the end-all, be-all. His health for the next 60 days is much more important than one game against the Astros. I mean, it does count double, but even two games, even if it was three games. I mean, the Rangers need him healthy for the long haul. They need him healthy for this year and next year, and especially for the playoffs this year, which they are still in line to be in. The Rangers have a three-game lead in the division, so even if the Rangers do, worst-case scenario, get swept by the Astros, it will still be tied for the AL West lead heading into their off day on Thursday. So this is a tough move to swallow, but it is all about the long-term. It's frustrating, and I know Nathan Valdi wants to be out there. I know he wants to go out there and dominate the Astros, but keeping him healthy long-term is much more important, and that is just absolutely massive. The Rangers have also had quite a few switcheroos in their bullpen, and a few roster moves this weekend. Grant Anderson was sent to AAA Round Rock. Gary Rodriguez got called back up, only to get absolutely shellacked on Saturday. Sam Huff is back on the active roster after Corey Seager went on the I.L. Glenn Otto was optioned on Sunday, and Owen White was called up. So we will see probably even more turnover because Josh Spores is eligible to be activated before Friday's game, so we're not going to see him in this series against the Astros. But that is going to be another big arm, big trustworthy arm coming back in a key situation because, I mean, it made sense to use to use their their new shiny rookie, put him in in some clutch situations. It didn't make as much sense when Grant Anderson was the one that was doing that. But when when your guy throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and the, uh, by the way, the, the cutter that Alex Bees has been using, that's actually a slider listen to the Rangers on Deck podcast where a type and talked to the Frisco pitching coach who said that he is pronating, uh, which means that he is using some downward movement on that cutter, making it drop a little bit more, which is also why it has a little bit higher spin rate than um, the Emmanuel Class A cutter, which I was comparing on Friday's show. Um, so that is a slider, not a cutter. He does have a different type of cutter that he doesn't throw very often, but that will still register as a cutter. And then he also has the sweeper, which StatCast does recognize as a sweeper, um, which is just kind of very interesting. But having him come in in more sixth inning situations, then seventh inning, if you have your seventh, eighth, and ninth in an ideal situation of Josh Spores, then Aroldis Chapman, then Will Smith in some combination of those three, I feel really, really good about that. If the Rangers have a one-run lead heading into the seventh inning and if they have it heading into the sixth inning and then your sixth inning guy is either Brock Burke or Alex Spees, then I feel really, really good about this Rangers pen. But they do need a little bit of reinforcements. Owen White being called up makes me think that he is probably going to be the starter on Tuesday where it would have been Nathan Eovaldi. Maybe we'll get a little bit of a combo split start of Cody Bradford being in there for two, three innings, and then more innings from Owen White, but Owen White has not pitched since uh, sept- September, no, July 16th, so it has been, it will have been about nine-ish days the last time he threw. He walked four in four shutout innings against the Tacoma Rainers in A Round Rock, only allowed one hit, didn't allow any runs, two strikeouts, threw 69 pitches, um, and 38 of those were four strikes. He's been throwing a lot fewer pitches since he has gone to Round Rock. Hasn't gone very deep into that many of his games in his first start. uh, For AAA, he threw 84 pitches in five innings, then only threw two innings against Las Vegas. Got lit up there, which, again, it's Vegas, so you got to kind of consider those park factors a little bit. Then he came back with five innings against the Space Cowboys. Only threw 60 pitches in that one to go five innings. Only allowed one walk there. But the velocity is not quite back for Owen White. That is going to be the next thing for him. And if it was back, I would feel much more confident in him starting against the Astros. But... The Rangers do have some favorable starting pitching matchups coming up. We're going to look at this series against the Astros where these two teams are and why, even though it's a big series, it is not the end-all be-all for the Texas Rangers in this series. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Wednesday's show, I'll be talking a little bit more about this series against the Astros. Hopefully, at that point, a series win looking for a series sweep in Houston. The Rangers take on the Astros in Houston this week. You can catch every pitch with the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, I did want to talk a little bit more about that Sunday game because... This team does head into this series against the Astros a little bit shorthanded. I'm not sure if Adoles Garcia will be in the lineup on Monday's game. I'm hoping he will. I'm thinking he will. He's going to do everything that he can. But they will be without Corey Seager. But this lineup, again, without Corey Seager, the first first game, well, it wasn't quite as spectacular. Um, And they were also already out of it before they even started because of that rough outing for Dane Dunning. But... The comeback victory on Sunday, it just kind of proves this offense doing things that they hadn't done. They had a bunch of comeback wins in the first, in that sixth game winning streak, and they did it against a bunch of really good bullpens, which again, I think they can do it against this Houston bullpen, which hasn't been as good this year because they have been overtaxed because the starting pitching is not as great this year because of so, so, so many injuries. But this team coming back from down four, nothing didn't even blink two runs in the bottom of the first inning, three runs in the bottom of the second inning, two runs in the bottom of the third, one run in the bottom of the fourth inning, and eight unanswered runs. And it was literally everybody coming up big for the Rangers. I mean, Travis Jankowski, the, the normal hero of of the day, I think he's going to be hitting a lot in that two-hole with Corey Seager on the I.L. I, I kind of like that, get his on-base in there. You do still have the back-to-back lefties problem, which I, I don't love. Maybe they'll end up switching you know, Ezekiel Duran to hit up there, which he did for a little bit while Seager was on the I.L. Not entirely sure how they're going to do it, but the Rangers got contributions from literally everybody. They had a multi-hit day from Brad Miller, who had a double, a single, and also reached on a walk. Leo Tavares came up with a huge Two run double on an 0 2 pitch to extend that lead. Uh, I believe it was that was the one in the third inning. The Rangers were already up five to four at that point, gave them a two run lead. Then they got one more run in the fourth inning. Just a big, big day for this entire offense. And Josh Smith working a walk to extend a rally in the second inning. I mean, just literally everybody in this lineup stepping up big. I mean, without Adoles Garcia, without Corey Seager, this, this team going down 4 nothing. you think, okay, it's well, that, game over. It's absolutely game over, but this team is so freaking resilient. It is so deep and so incredibly talented, this lineup, and everybody coming up there in a big way. And I mean, again, a Brad Miller, multi-hit day, who hadn't started a game, it feels like, in Ages. It honestly might have been since April that Brad Miller has started a game at all, but he comes up with the multi hit day and it shows the depth of this lineup and everybody coming through big. But the one thing that this team didn't do well this series and hasn't done well in a while and was really on full display was homegrown starting pitching. There are a lot of people in my mentions saying, oh, the Rangers should just start. Home growing some starting pitchers because you're going to need some cheap and controllable pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be absolutely very, very nice if Owen White can step up and be a fantastic homegrown pitcher. would be the first one the Rangers have had in a long, long time. I mean, Cody Bradford, if he moves into the starting rotation, he will be... I mean, with his success, he has been one of the more successful Rangers homegrown starting pitchers in a long, long time. And it would be very nice for Jack Leiter to be up at this point and contributing to the big league roster. But again... That's not happening. And it would be nice if Kumar Rocker didn't have Tommy John surgery so we could see him thriving in double A or double A Frisco at this point. But we are not seeing that. And that is, um, we are also quite a ways away from Brock Porter being anywhere near the big leagues, which is fine. And maybe eventually he'll be a really nice starting pitcher. But for the Rangers to just do that, it takes years and years and years. A bunch of people just suggesting that it just. Happens overnight. That's not how that works. That is not how that works at all. It's just a very, very difficult thing to do. That's why the Rangers spent so much money on overhauling this pitching staff, the starting rotation in the offseason. Sometimes you just got to buy a lot of pitching. There are not a lot of teams that can develop pitching. I mean, the Astros, if any other team had this series of injuries to their starting pitchers that the Astros have suffered, most of them would be very much out of it. Could not just keep calling up guys and guys and guys like the Dodgers did this weekend with three homegrown pitchers with Sheehan, who the Rangers absolutely pulverized, getting him out of there. I mean, Martin Perez gives up the grand slam in the first inning. You think there's no way Sheehan is not going longer than Martin Perez, but that was the case, and Martin Perez had a much more impressive start. They also had Bobby Miller and Tony Gonsolin. That would be nice for the Rangers to have developed literally any of those three guys, even though Sheehan got kind of rocked, at his ERA is 675. He's still got some really impressive stuff, and you, you saw why a lot of people like him. But the Rangers have a problem with that, and developing homegrown starting pitching it is an incredibly difficult thing to do. There's basically five teams on Earth who can do it, and the other 25 teams also struggle. It's not just the Rangers that struggle with developing starting pitching. It's basically the Astros, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Guardians, the Braves, and well, it seems like the Mariners are, are on there now, but that that's pretty much it. There is not a whole lot of teams that can consistently develop good starting pitching or even decent starting pitching. So buying your rotation seems like the move for the Rangers. I mean they've got a homegrown lineup, a cheap lineup, which you have nine to ten hitters in your lineup, your everyday guys. So if you have to buy five starting pitchers, you can home grow a pretty cheap starting lineup. I mean there is only what, two Two guys every day in this lineup that are past arbitration, and that's Marcus Simeon and uh, Corey Seager. Well, no Corey Seager for now, but the rest of this lineup is incredibly cheap. And if you have to keep buying a starting rotation every off season, I think eventually you're going to run out of money. But at this point, buying a starting rotation or buying most of the lineup, the Rangers have it have their lineup locked up for the next five, six years, almost everybody in their everyday starting lineup. So I really want to push back on the Rangers' need to just develop a crap ton of homegrown starting pitchers, which it would be nice, but I don't think it's an absolute necessity. They might need to trade for one, because if Dane Dunning keeps having outings like this. Again, I'm a little concerned with Dane Dunning. His glow-up was fantastic, and he was absolutely worthy of all the praise that he received. He did a lot of new things and and did very, very well for the first couple months. But this month, it has been rough, and it has not just been this start. For the month of July, he has got four starts. He's got a 4.98 ERA. Now, a lot of that is coming from this start against the Dodgers. He did have seven innings of two-run ball against Tampa Bay, but he had that rough start against the Nationals, five and two-thirds innings, four runs. All of them were earned at that point. Has been walking a few more batters than I feel super comfortable with. Had a couple of walks in three innings against the Dodgers. Only had one against Tampa Bay, but did have a pair and a hit by pitch against Washington. So things have been not quite as great. He had a 362 ERA for the month of June in five starts there, which is fine, but not great. He was much, much better in the month of April where he was had a 177 ERA. That was back when he was just a reliever. Then his first month as a full-time starter, which came in May, five starts there, a 228 ERA. He is coming back down to earth and it was bound to happen at some point. His stuff is not incredible, so the margin for error is very, very slim. I do still believe in him as an everyday starting pitcher, but if you're only getting 80 pitches at Heaney and if Martin Perez can't you know, continue what he did in the final five innings and looks more like he looked in the first inning on Sunday... And that's a recipe for disaster. If Nathan Ivaldi has to miss any time, and if John Gray doesn't look quite like his full John Gray self, then the Rangers might need to trade for a guy who you can start in a playoff game because a starting rotation of. Right now, it would be. My playoff rotation would be Nathan Ivaldi, John Gray. Dane Dunning, I think in Game Three, and then Game Four, I would still give lean towards giving the ball to Martin Perez over Andrew Heaney. Move Andrew Heaney into a bullpen role, and then feel okay about that. But it's moves like this where make you where it makes you think, okay, maybe the Rangers need to make some massive trade for for some starting pitcher or a mid-level starting pitcher, or just somebody. If you're trading for any starting pitcher at this point, they've got to be at least a middle of the rotation pitcher, somebody who you feel comfortable giving the ball to in October, probably in game three, maybe in game two, which is why the allure of a Shohei Otani trade feels so alluring, which if the angels keep winning like they have been recently, then they're probably not going to trade him. They might not trade him anyway because Artie Moreno is a confusing, confusing guy and, uh, it would be a whole mess to trade for him, even though it would be a lot of fun. And it's still a lot of fun to imagine the Rangers doing that. But I think I think the Rangers can hold Pat for now. I don't feel great about it, but there's going to be a lot of big trades for starting pitching if they can buy low, get somebody like a Lucas Giglio, like a Lance Lynn, if you, can, if you feel confident that you can fix a Lance Lynn, which is a big question at this point. But I feel confident the Rangers could fix Lance Lynn if he decided to... If the Rangers decided to trade for him, which I also don't think he would cost all that much. But still, this place, this team is in a very precarious situation. They do have a lot of depth. They have built themselves a a lot of, you know, a lot of leeway with how well they played through the first 100 games. They are exactly 59 and 41. They're expected, or the Pythagorean record has them four games, four wins better than that at 63 and 37. I don't believe they have the best run differential in the game because of those massive blowouts on Friday and Saturday, but they are still one of the best teams in all of baseball. The Rays are fading. The Rangers are still thriving. They are still eight and two, eight and, yeah, 8-2 since the All-Star break Heading into this series against the Astros It's going to be an absolutely massive one But I, I feel confident in this Ranger team That's starting pitching matchups for this series You have John Gray versus Brandon Belak On Tuesday, you have JP France for the Astros Versus TBD for the Rangers I think that might be the Owen White Slash Cody Bradford game And then on Wednesday, from Valdez Versus Andrew Heaney That is going to be a very good game And then the Rangers head to San Diego To take on the Padres this weekend After that, they have an off day to travel and the Padres are in a really, really rough way. The Rangers could, could sweep the Padres and make them be sellers and and they could trade for maybe Blake Snell. Maybe they trade for Blake Snell ahead of that series. The Rangers could take another one from San Diego. I don't know if, if, um, if Snell is is scheduled to be starting in that series. But that would be kind of funny and fun if the Rangers traded for a guy who was supposed to be starting against them to turn the tide and start him against San Diego, which would be absolutely hilarious, have him just walk over to the other clubhouse that week. Um, Could be a lot of fun. But this is going to be a massive series against the Astros again tonight. Check out the, my link in the description of this podcast or my Twitter account to join that Hang Sports chat with Pudge Rodriguez and Ruben Sierra. It should be a lot of fun. Also be talking with Locked On Astros boys and a couple of former Astros legends. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.